This is Issues 2023. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wichita Public School Superintendent, Dr. Alicia Thompson. Welcome to Issues 2023. Thank you for inviting me today. We've done this one or two times before, haven't we? Three or four times. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Now, you've served as USD 259 Superintendent, I believe, since 2017. That is correct. Almost six years. Yes. And now I understand you intend to retire. I am. The big R word. The big R. What uh, what went into your thinking to make that decision? That's a big decision. Yeah, I've been in the district 31 years. When I say that, people buck their eyes at me. You have? I've said, yes. So I've been in the district 31 years, and um, we have this thing in the district where you add the year years of service um, and the amount of how old you are, and I'm sure you can add it up. I'll be 50. I'm 53 years old, and in May I'll be 54. You add 31 and 54, you got 85. So now I have 85 points to retire, and so I'm going to take advantage of that opportunity. Does the school board or the school district have a set date or a set number that you have to? Yes. Well, they in order to qualify for your full retirement, you have to have that 85 out. Now, you can go out anytime you want, but then you're just kind of jeopardizing a little bit of some of your retirement. What is uh, the process uh, to name your replacement? I know you're, you're probably not thinking about that, but uh, yeah, uh, well, I'm very, I'm, uh, I'm very. Uh, pro- I think I, I want to be engaged in that. Yeah, process. you're probably going to be involved yeah. in the transition. So, how, yeah. what do we do now? What's well, going on? Well, they actually are having some. They did some listening sessions, uh, community meetings, uh, town hall meetings last week, and so they've gathered all of that data, and they actually even last week um, uh, began to. Um, talk about the characteristics in which they want, kind of like a blueprint of what they want in the next leader and the things that are going to be coming up, you know, the pipe, things that are going to happen and what kind of skill sets they need and who do they want to pick. So that's what they've done, and they have the job is posted. Now they're looking for someone. So, so yeah. people should be responding anytime now. Okay. Yes. Uh, you look back over, now you said 31 years total? 31. As you look back over the 31 years of that career in the Wichita schools, uh, what was your favorite job, this one or another one? Uh, probably being a kindergarten teacher. That was my favorite. <laughs> I think you've told me that before. Yeah. Why is that? Just because the kids are oh, so cute? they're or so what? cute and they're little and their <laughs> brains are ready to soak up whatever you want to give them. So yeah. it's good. And most of them are fairly, fairly well behaved, too. Yes. So. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they're starting to, yeah, they're starting to find themselves, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, then uh, what's the best part of being superintendent, Dr. Thompson? Just honestly, all of the people in our community and the support that we have, that makes me proud to know that we have a school district that people are proud of and that they will support. Um, and so I am very appreciative and of, of that from the, from our community. Well, and when you talk about the community, the, let's narrow it down a little bit uh, there, I'm sure there are longs and shorts of, of parental involvement, but you do want that in a positive way. Yeah, parent involvement is something that we we always continue to work on, but it is definitely, uh, you know, it depends on what you think parent involvement is. I guess I should say that too, because sometimes parents are doing the best that they can with what they resources they have, and that's great parenting uh, compared to maybe someone who's able to come in every day and spend their time, you know, cutting out papers or are you running papers or cutting out things for teachers, sure. but all of it is appreciated. And, and back to the superintendent job itself, what, what's the worst part of it? Um, probably political stuff. 
you know, things that, you know, you don't really have control over, but at the end of the day, you still have to be responsive to that as for your organization. A lot of responsibility there. Yep, it is. Dealing with the COVID pandemic, and we've talked about this before, but and it was tough. It was tough for everybody, but yes. the schools had it really tough. What Did that change you as a person in any way? Um, it didn't necessarily change me, but it made me very grateful, uh, again, to community members, to doctors, to medical professionals. I mean, it was just how everybody kind of pulled and rallied together to, to come out of that in a way in which we were able to survive it, I guess I should say. So uh, I, it, it didn't change me, but it definitely made me more grateful for the things around me and the people. Now, what is the current enrollment for USD 259? We're at about 40, 48,000. 48,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and how does that uh, compare with years past? I'm trying to search my memory. I think you've been over 50 at one time. Yes, we were over 50 at one time. We've been in the 40s for the last maybe in three years or so. Yeah, probably since the uh, when we changed our time to uh, go to school later in the day, we lost uh, quite a few elementary students because oh. of this extending that day too long in the day. Okay. So that's when we started to see the decline in the enrollment. Uh, what what's a uh, how, how does this year's enrollment? I already asked you that question. Uh, how many teachers and administrators are in the school district? I want to get an idea how big a job you've got there. How many teachers? Yeah, we are, have about nine thousand employees within our school district. Cause that's inclusive of our substitutes, but it's about nine thousand. That that uh, does that include um, uh, how many of those are teachers and and administrators? I mean, uh, have you got, we you, have approximately maybe seven thousand or so teachers. And maybe three or three hundred or so, four hundred maybe administrators. Yeah, because you're you're also in charge of the service personnel. Is that right? That is correct. So those would be the uh, janitors and people that work in the people. roofing or yeah. you know plumbing yeah. and you know all the keys. <laughs> we have a lot of departments. Well, while we're talking about that, I want to. Uh, uh, I want to ask you about meals. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I guess I'm hungry this morning. Uh, <laughs> now, at the schools, at all the schools, do they have hot meals served? Yes, we, we have for hot lunch, meals. I mean. we, we have hot for lunch, and we have breakfast, and we also send some home mm-hmm. in the evening as well. It's, but of course, I, I t- attended Wichita Public Schools, and when at Hadley uh, and at West, we have a full-blown cafeteria. People were in there cooking every day. Is it still that way? That's, is that the model of the past? Yeah, no. We actually have a school service center where they do the prepping of the meals. Okay. And then we send the meals out to individual schools, and then they have also have people there that take that take those prepped meals and then prepare them yeah. for the students. And do you have any kids working, students working back there? You know, that's the thing coming in. They've got the, all these, these new tech schools, and they're looking at... We, we're we're going to be working on that, uh, actually. <laughs> Honestly, we are. Uh, right now, we do have culinary arts in all of our high schools, of course. Uh, but uh, those internships is what we're looking for, and those are opportunities for us to be able to use our students in that way. And we're definitely having those conversations. And over the years, we had shop class, we had home ec, and, and we were kind of saying, oh, okay, but uh, we're, I'm taking all these English courses, and I kind of looked at them like, oh, you guys got it easy. You know, 
little did we know we're going to need those people all the <laughs> that is correct and i will tell you it's more and more popular for students to want to go into those career and technical education spaces and get credentialed and then leave high school with all those credentials and go make money yeah mm-hmm. right off the bat yeah instead of waiting a few years that's right so what are you going to do in retirement have you thought about that well first thing i'm going to do is take a nap take a long uh, nap take a yeah. long nap yeah. and then i'll um I'll then think about what's next, but whatever it is, it will still probably be in the in the area of education, volunteering, um, tutoring, doing maybe even teaching some classes at maybe the university. But but not with that daily uh, obligation. No, I, I'll I always you. be a part timer. <laughs> there you go. Hey, thanks for being with us, our guest, Wichita Public School Superintendent Dr. Alicia Thompson, and. Uh, We probably won't get together on this again, so thanks for being with me a couple times over the years. That's all for this edition of Issues 2023. Uh, We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. Odyssey is celebrating Earth Month and our commitment to one thing. If each of us does one thing to help the environment, that's millions of things that add up to make an enormous difference. Hey, I'm Corey from Odyssey. With Earth Day coming up on April 22nd, Odyssey's Karina Delgado checks in from the nation's capital with Dr. M. Sanjin, the CEO of Conservation International. Each year, Odyssey partners with Conservation International on behalf of our team to donate a project supporting our planet. Anything from protecting mangroves and tropical rainforests to saving elephant habitats. One thing adds up. We've planted trees to restore the forest. We've protected acres of valuable habitat for bees and other pollinators. And all of it starts with the power of people doing one thing. But it's not just the big things. Your one thing could be as simple as using a reusable water bottle instead of buying bottled water. I made that switch a couple of years ago. Maybe you carpool or take public transportation to work instead of driving every day with your own car. Dr. Sanjin will share his ideas for your one thing. He also shares the latest on his exciting new documentary project. It's called Our Changing Planet, with the second season slated to air on PBS. Now, let's head to D.C. and check in with Karina. Sanjin, hi! How are you? I am well. Great to talk to you. It's been about a year, right? How, how has your year been? The year's been really busy. Oh, I bet. Well, tell us all about it. Well, you know, the big thing that I've been doing this year is I filmed the second episode of my series, Changing Planet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is an epic seven-year project where we go to the same places every year Mm -hmm. and basically figure out what the change is looking like, right? Because we know the planet is changing under us. We know it's climate change. We know it's biodiversity loss. But we also know people have, are coming up with some amazing solutions. And so in this year, you know, some of my journeys were really about going back to the place I went to in year one and seeing what, what has happened. You mentioned that this is a seven-year project, but it, uh, this is just season uh, two coming up, right? Well, we, you know, this is year two of a seven-year project. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, you know, maybe when we do this interview five years from now, I can give you the background. Certainly. Well, did, did you see but, significant changes over yeah, the course look, of the year? I mean, you know, the, the big thing that dominated us uh, in this most recent episode, mm-hmm. which you will see on Earth Day, April 19th, uh, on PBS, is that we really tracked fire. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, especially out there in California, right? 
in California, in yeah. Australia. I mean, we have entire continent essentially on fire to yes. some extent, right? Yes. But the positive side of this is we also followed some amazing indigenous stories mm-hmm. of indigenous people, the Yurok in California, the Pintupi in Australia, and how indigenous peoples are using fire to manage the land. And so it's, it's a two, you know, it's like two sides of the same coin, right? Yeah. Devastating wildfires can wreck the environment and, you know, destroy lives and property. Absolutely. But using fire in the right way can help us manage an area to prevent catastrophic wildfires. So to be honest, you know, I went to California during a heavy fire season knowing that I'm going to see something pretty bad. But I came away to some extent with a sense of optimism because of what I saw in Northern California with indigenous tribes, um, the Yurok in particular, mm-hmm. and how they were managing their own land yeah. in a way that was more resilient to fire and really just very optimistic. And the same thing in Australia. With that, as you were saying, working with the indigenous people there and uh, learning some of their practices to to use fire to, I guess, sort of uh, mitigate some of the uh, effects of climate change. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Like, how can using fire prevent that? I'm kind of I'm trying to think of is that like controlled burning to burn back brush so that when when a fire does take place, it doesn't get out of hand or how does that work? So that's one way. So control burning to make sure that fires don't get out of hand when they really do come is one way. But what is kind of amazing about sort of indigenous wisdom is that indigenous people have been using fire on landscapes for a long, long time. And as they were prevented from following the traditional practices, habitats changed. Yes. And as those habitats changed, in many instances, they became much more prone to fire. Mm-hmm. So when you go into um, northwestern Australia and you go to the Pintupi people, you know, they basically manage a land about the size of Denmark. Mm. Really a big piece of territory. Sure. And they light fires all the time. Like, I have the chance to light fires with them. Yeah. And they're small fires, but they're constant, like, all the time during a particular season. And it basically keeps the habitat in a particular state. Interestingly, very, very, very good place for endangered species. All the endangered species are there. Mm-hmm. And you can see the difference in the habitat. So those catastrophic wildfires don't tend to have the impact that they have in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk to the Yurok, and the Yurok consider themselves the original rest- restorers of planet Earth. Yes. Like they really see themselves as a restoration people. And that's what they're trying to do there. They're not just restoring their own cultural practices, but they're also trying to restore the land into a habitat type that is a bit more resilient to these changes that we're seeing today. I love that. You know, um, I am originally from Anchorage, Alaska, and Uh Alaska itself has a huge indigenous population. And part of um, something that we saw in that location with our own eyes is that each year, little by little, the Portage Glacier that we, whereas at one point we could just step out onto the glacier from, you know, from the side of the road, it was receding, receding, receding. And so um, to speak to to 
the um, the show Our Changing Planet, that was something mm-hmm. that we could see daily. And to your point, yes, the indigenous people, they have their own way of addressing uh, how the land that they live on is changing beneath them and how it, it is incorporated into their culture and how they um, have restorative practices for the land itself. Exactly. I mean, these are people who have lived on the land and managed the land for literally thousands of years. Yes. In the case of Australia, 60,000 years. Sure. You know, yeah. We've been on this land like, you know, for one, two, three, four, you know, 100 years. Certainly not more than that. Certainly not in North America. Yeah. So the sense that we would be great managers of this land, you know, when you see the history of land management is, you know, is obviously false. Mm-hmm. And there's an enormous amount we can learn from that indigenous wisdom and apply it today at scale with modern science. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to give the impression that just if you follow indigenous practices, everything will be okay. Obviously, the transformations we've made have been big. Yeah. But there is a lot of wisdom there that needs to be incorporated into how we see the natural world we live in. Absolutely. Well, uh, circling back to the Our Changing Planet mm-hmm. show, you mentioned that you revisit six different vulnerable ecosystems Mm -hmm. and Australia being one of them. Can you tell us what some of the other locations are inside the show? Yeah. So the Maldives, which are a uh, beautiful atoll in the middle of the Indian Ocean because Mm -hmm. they're they're so, so at risk from climate change. Yes. But they also have incredible reefs. So if you really want to understand the marine story, that's a place. Um, Kenya. You know, Kenya has now experienced probably its fourth year of consecutive drought. Mm-hmm. when the rains have failed again and again and again. Wow. And the impact it's having on people and wildlife is very severe, so we get to see how some communities are using carbon mitigation as a way of protecting forests that provide water for wildlife and people. Um, we go to Cambodia to look at the forests of Southeast Asia and some of the mm. biggest river systems in the world. And, of course, the Amazon. You can't talk about a changing planet without talking about the Amazon, the biggest rainforest on planet Earth. Um, And then California. California is, you know, ground zero if you want to talk about climate change or impacts as well as opportunities for change uh, if you talk, talk about the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if our listeners would like to catch uh, the first season of Our Changing Planet, where do they find well, that? The second at? season, sorry. But the the first season. season should be online on PBS. Okay. But the second season is going to be aired on um, April 19th. Oh, okay. And yeah, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time and uh, 8 p.m. Central Time on PBS. On PBS. Okay. Yeah. And then so uh, available on demand at PBS.org? Yes. I'm okay. pretty sure PBS puts most of their shows on demand. Excellent. On, on their website. So if, uh, if in watching the first season, since it's already available, and then uh, to basically binge, and then uh, seeing the debut of the second on on the 19th, if that inspires some folks to uh, help out on Earth Day, what are some ways that listeners can, um, can jump on board? Yeah, so there's a great question. I know you always think about the one thing you can do. So, by the way, I would say you don't have to watch the first season to enjoy the second one, but it'd be nice to do that. And the second one does go to Australia, which we didn't do in the first season because obviously we filmed that during COVID. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to go to Australia yeah. in season one, so you get to see some new stuff. Um, but, like, look, the one, que- one thing question is a really big question. 
right? So I'm going to give you two quick things. So the first thing I think everyone can do is be much more conscious about how much they waste in terms of food. So what you eat, how you cook it, and how much you waste. Okay. So agricultural use of land is the biggest, most pervasive land use we have. Oh, okay. And we want food to be available for everyone, but we want to be mindful about what we use and waste. It'll be just better for your wallet and a huge better for the environment. Okay. Okay. I'll give you a very simple example, right? So when I make coffee in the morning, I boil a whole pot of water in order to make coffee. That's silly and idiotic because mm. all that heat energy that I'm using to boil water for one cup is just a bad way of doing it. Sure. Right? And it's a big, big impact. So what you eat, eat lower on the food chain and be very, very aware of waste. The second thing I would say is we now know that even if we make the energy transition that is well on its way, so electric cars, electric, you know, solar panels, et cetera, we'll still not end up with a livable planet if we don't also protect nature. Yes. So I would say to every person listening, you ought to be supporting organizations that are out there restoring and protecting nature. It could be in your backyard, it could be in your local community, or it could be a global organization like Conservation International, which is what I work for. It doesn't actually matter as long as you are doing your part to restore and protect the planet. Wonderful. Well, I just wanted to personally thank you for following up with us and catching up with us again this year and let us know what's going on with Our Changing Planet. Again, to our listeners, if you'd like to catch that, it is available at www.pbs.org and season two debuting on April 19th, 9 p.m. Eastern time on PBS, just ahead of Earth Day. Uh, Dr. Sanjin, thank you so much for joining us this year. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. More stories about our environment at onething.us or on the Odyssey app, which you can download now for free. We'll cover environmental news like new requirements for car emissions or changes to public parks. With Earth Day right around the corner, consider getting outside and doing your own project, planting trees, cleaning up litter. And while you do so, you can listen to One Thing Radio free on the Odyssey app. Soak up songs about the earth and enjoy doing your one thing with artists like Odessa, Imagine Dragons, and more. And there's our brand new station, Bloom, a bright and poppy playlist guaranteed to grow on you with artists like Tate McRae, B. Miller, Jeremy Zucker, and more. And hear how your favorite artists are making a difference. We talk to everyone from Marcus Mumford and Dave Matthews to Lizzo, Harry Styles, and Shawn Mendes, each of them sharing the one thing that they do to help the environment. Like, here's how Dua Lipa tries to do her part while on tour. Because I fly so much, I like to pay towards carbon return and like a charity that will do a lot of things in terms of society. Sustainability, because sometimes trying to get from A to B with my job is difficult. And Macklemore with something easy to do at your house. I recycle. I'm great at recycling. I take out the recycle. I stomp the cans. I break down the cardboard boxes and I recycle. And yeah, shopping at the thrift store does help the reuse part of the three R's. Thank you for spending some time with us, being open to learning about sustainability and thinking about your one thing. You can find this station on the Odyssey app, which you can download now for free and find out more there or visit onething.us. We are all on this planet together. So join Odyssey and find your one thing. 
Fruits and vegetables are very environmentally friendly foods. Make them even more friendly by eating them in season and by choosing produce that is local and organic. Shopping at farmer's markets are a great way to do both. And start growing fruits and vegetables in your own garden. Even if you live in an apartment, you can start with just a few potted plants. Join Odyssey. And together, each of us doing one thing makes a greener tomorrow. What's your one thing?